Jonathan Allen is in the franchise history books. It's a sold out crowd for Thursday night football and you have not been given Kendall Fuller enough credit. All that and more on our three October daily commanders update. Let's go. Greetings and salutations. Welcome to your three October daily commanders update. I'm Nathan Perry. That's the stoner. We are ref the district on the believe sports network, and we've got plenty to go about here and plenty to celebrate too. stoner Mm -hmm. as right off the bat. I want to give Jonathan Allen his flowers. Yeah. Uh, Nikki J reporting here that he did tie the all time sack record for a defensive tackle Mm -hmm. in that game against Philadelphia. He, him and Dave butts are now at 35.5. How big has Jonathan Allen been for this franchise? Not only has he been everything that you could ask for a first round pick. If you remember when he was drafted, he was questionable, right? He had some shoulder injuries at Alabama. That's kind of why he dropped. 18, 16, 19, somewhere around there. And Washington picked him up. It was during this phase when Washington was like picking up all these guys that had uh, questionable injury histories. But he's come in and he's been the great player that we thought he could be, but he's been a better leader and a better person in the community than that. So he's going to start chopping down some of these records. Here's one that probably this week, maybe next week he passes. He's going to be in first place. There's going to be a lot. This is going to start happening quite a bit. He's just going to start chopping down all these uh, franchise records for DTs. Pretty awesome. Love Jonathan Allen. I, I do wonder. I mean, he he's still very young in his career, right? Like oh, yeah. he's not even he's not even at the ten year mark, and he's already crushing this. Now, Dave Butts, we've talked about this before. Didn't have sacks being tallied for quite a part of his career sure. there, but this is still impressive for Jonathan Allen. Where do you think he ends up? total sacks for the franchise oh you go, you want a number or do you want yeah like, he's at oh, 35.5 wow. right now so where do you think he after what we're at year seven right now if I, my math is right on Somewhere the top of my there. head yeah wow that's a good question because this is the type of guy that number one he doesn't get hurt a lot so it's not like he misses games all the time so he's very durable Man, and he's going to be around for a while because of the leader he is. So, all right, let me give you a number. 50. Exactly. Low ball on him, in 50? my opinion. That's 14 yeah. and a half more sacks over yeah. the course of about we five said he's years. Not, yeah, and he's not, not, he's not even in the prime of his career. He is inching mm. his way up towards the top of the NFL 100. We said, you know, seven years. If he lasts... You know, another seven years. I definitely think that he can definitely he can pass fifty. But I'm interested in what All you right. think as well in the comment section. Where does he end up? He's certainly going to have a lot of opportunities, Stoner. As yeah. the snap counts came out for the game of, against Philadelphia, and the defensive line is all getting a lot, a lot, a lot of time. Yeah, out there, That's, it's too much. Let's be it, perfectly honest. Yeah. You drafted. Uh, you drafted Fidarian Mathis to be that guy who rotates in and takes the pressure off. And of course, F.A. Obata, these are two guys that we hope are going to be back this week. We'll see. They're eligible to come back, but they're there to take the pressure off of Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne, who are playing, p- playing 90% of these snaps. That's too much for defensive tackles. It's going to start showing up in week 14 and 15 and 16 if they don't get those other guys back who can help rotate. 
I do find it a bit surprising. I can understand not necessarily having Anderson out there who has not the most impressive resume right now in his, in his career, John Ridgway, not that he's has that much more of an impressive, you know, resume in the NFL, but he's done very solid for you in his time here. Yeah. Last season. And then this season, you know, the preseason, everything, John Ridgway was showing that he was going to continue having a solid contribution. Yeah. He only played 18% of the snaps. If F.A. Obata and Fedarian Mathis come back, mm. obviously Anderson's probably going to be back to the practice squad. But where does John Ridgway fit into there and how many snaps? Because this is one of the reasons why I argued for Fedarian Mathis as a second round pick and you hated mm. it mm-hmm. was we expected your backup defensive tackle, your third defensive tackle in the rotation to still play 55% of the snaps. Mm-hmm. Hasn't been the case here so far. So where what are we seeing here with that split? Well, that's that's the big question. And what you might see is you might see a lot more of these five defensive linemen sets that we haven't seen a whole lot of just because they don't have the personnel out there. With with Ridgeway and Abdullah Anderson being your only two guys really that are rotating in at defensive tackle. Now that you've got these extra guys you know, whenever that happens, whether it's this week, next week, whenever you might see a lot more five down um, uh, defensive linemen, which could change the whole defense. We've seen the defense get gashed quite a bit this year. That could be the difference in what makes this defense a little bit better. We saw it last year when Ridgeway did start playing a lot more and they were doing those five deal uh, sets, which they haven't done a whole lot the, in the first part of the year. So, Maybe that helps um, when those guys come back. And it'll be interesting to see who gets let go or gets sent to the practice squad or just outright released. Who is the Who are those guys on the 53 right now that are going to be let go? And could be an injury that happens or whatever. But, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Well, the uh, Washington Commanders lost their second one in a row here. The mm-hmm. power rankings from the 33rd team on this one. Yeah. After week four has them at 19. I think we're going to start doing our own power rankings here. We are, um, tired of but we're tired of these. We're tired of the PFT ones. But as far as this one's concerned, how does 19 feel, feel for you at two and two? Mm-hmm. And like I said, this will though, this was a, a much better loss than the bills one right. the week before. So look at this real quick, memorize it and then tell me mm-hmm. where you think Washington should be. Well, I did my own kind of informal power rankings just in my head, which is never a good thing. You really want to put that on paper because you forget a bunch of teams. But I had them right around, right around there, 17, I think is where I had them, which is about where they should be. I think there's like, I don't know how many teams are two and two. There's like 11 or 12 teams that are they're all two and two. So they're all kind of bunched up there in the middle. You've got some real good teams and you got some three and one teams. And you got a whole bunch of two and twos. We're right there with all those other two and two teams. So I put them anywhere from probably 15 to 20. So if you got them anywhere in there, I'm okay. You're not going to get any Yeah. Yeah. This is what, this is where I have problems when it comes with numerical power rankings is because it is like, I'm looking at Washington at 19 and they're behind the likes of Houston and the Mm. Rams uh, Tampa Bay is ahead of them. You're saying we're definitely better than them. I, I'm saying that it, I would list Washington ahead of those <laughs> yeah. those teams okay. right there. I can understand being behind Jacksonville, 
Green Bay ish, maybe uh, yeah. the the right around that. Seattle, I definitely wouldn't give Seattle that much credit in my opinion. But that's why I like. I don't really care for numerical ones because it's yeah. like now you're really kind of listening out. If you were to put Washington in a bucket, you're right. Okay. They are in that. They are in that mid tier bucket around a bunch of other teams, and yeah. it, so it will be interesting to see where washington does as we next week we'll go ahead and give out our first power ranking of the young year yeah we we like to wait until week six it's just the policy of us of ours here at ref the district <laughs> week six is when we can effectively yeah. rank each very good exactly it was deliberate and not at all anything <laughs> exactly. other than that yes. uh getting to the practice uh that has been here this is just a walkthrough it's just very short week for mm-hmm. Washington as they finish up the game against Philly and then immediately have to turn around and prepare for the Bears here. Yeah. Curtis Samuel with a quad, John Dotson with an ankle, Chris Rodriguez with an illness are all out during this jog through as Nikki J here reports. Chris Rodriguez missed the game with an illness. We saw how important Curtis Samuel was to this offense as he continues to be actually the leading wide receiver for this team. Not wide mm-hmm. receiver one, but just the leading wide receiver for this team. Yeah. Jahan Dotson, of course, making that big catch to help Washington end up tying the game at the end of regulation. What do you make with these these players at least being available th- for a jog through? Yeah, I think all of them are definitely going to be going on Thursday. I think probably... Everybody is pretty much available. Again, we'll see what happens with those two guys who are on IR and are eligible to come off IR. Uh, But don't get mad here, Nathan, and don't get mad everybody who's watching and listening. But Washington has been very, very fortunate with the injury bug this year, that they haven't had any injuries. And I know everybody thinks that's a jinx, and we got to knock on wood, and we got to do the sign of the cross or whatever it is that you do for your religion. (laughs) But they've some been burn very, some sage, throw yeah, the salt over that. your shoulder, whatever you got to do. Do all that stuff. But they've been very fortunate with injuries. You have to admit, they haven't had really any major injuries to any major players. You have some Logan Thomas has been dinged up. We've talked about those two guys who haven't played yet this year, but nothing major. So if this is what you're worried about on the Tuesday before Thursday game is a guy with an illness, a guy whose squad hurts a little, and a guy whose ankle, and that's it. They're going in in really good shape into this Thursday night game. Well, they'll need everybody because Washington can't afford to lose to Chicago. Nope. Need nope. to keep that winless streak going for them. And at least they have some, a good game to work off of as the PFF grades, the much maligned or agreed with grades here. Yeah. Uh, Sam Howell only getting a 65.2, 24th ranked quarterback out of 34 on the week. Yeah. which I think is a bit surprising. If you look at a lot of the advanced metrics, uh, he actually had a darn good game. So 65 seemed a little bit low. Brian Robinson finally getting the uh, first uh, stab at the running back position here, got a 71. Yeah. Curtis Samuel, like I mentioned, the really the number, the, the top wide receiver for this unit with the 70, but Terry McLaurin right behind him with the 69. The offensive line, is the mm-hmm. one here on this this offense is the uh, the slide does say defense, but the offense, oh, the I mix the up? offensive line there. <laughs> what are your thoughts on giving them those grades, which were fairly decent? Yeah, I I was okay with the, a lot of the grades. 
it's a little, uh, you know, it's a little quick because we're trying to prepare for Chicago, even us here at Ref the District, like the team is, but we're also still trying to look back a little bit at Philadelphia, what went right and what went wrong. I got to watch a lot of Sam Cosme on tape. Holy cow. He was really good yes. uh, against Philadelphia. Sam, mm-hmm. Con- I mean, he was, PFF shows it. He was the 11th ranked guard out of all of them. What is their, basically there's 64 guards that play and he was ranked 11th. He was really, really good against Philadelphia. Leno, he got a couple of early starts, which uh, probably helped uh, get him that uh, good grade. But Philadelphia wasn't pressuring as much as Buffalo did the week before. And again, that's a little bit of the enemy's offense, Sam making quicker decisions, all that working together to give those guys a good grades. I thought I thought they acquitted themselves quite well from the Buffalo game, but still a lot of work to do. Yeah, the Cosme one is definitely good to see because I think a lot of people fixated on one play where he'd gotten blown up mm-hmm. and ignored all the other plays that he had a very, very solid outing against he a did. very, very good front for the Philadelphia Eagles. Absolutely. Uh, moving to the other side of the ball here on the PFF grades, not yeah. the offense listed, but the defense. Cody Barton continues to be a massive hole for this defense. But outside of that, yeah. this defense is ranked really well to include one Kendall Fuller. Yeah, yeah, and we'll get to a little bit more on Kendall Fuller. But again, a lot of these grades, you look at a lot of green on there, and they gave up 34 points. Sometimes mm-hmm. the stats, the PFF doesn't really match the the score, what happened in the game in terms of overall. Uh, but Kendall Fuller, of course, was great. St. Juice was pretty darn good. We don't have Forbes up there because Forbes wasn't considered, at least for PFF's purposes, as a starter. But if you looked at Forbes' grades, uh, you know, you go separately in there and look at them, you might, you might um, bring your breakfast back up because – it was not good. And we all know we've talked about it. We're not ready to throw him away or anything, but it was easily his worst game probably of his life. Yeah, ranked, uh, ranked. Uh, let me pull this one up here. He was ranked 105 out of 109. Yeah, on there not with good. A, with, a, with a defense of 42 overall was a 42. Is, and I, uh, and I get game. that he's going up against uh, a Pro Bowl player. He's going up against a guy who – very well could be in the Hall of Fame one day if he keeps doing what he's been doing. A.J. Brown is a top 10 receiver in the NFL. I get it, but he still got his butt whooped all day long. And I believe all year long so far, if you look at his year-long stats, not good. Not good at all. He's got to improve. He's got to get help. That's another thing where we talked all about Eric bieniemy has got to help out Sam Howell in all aspects of the offense. Jack Del Rio's got to give some help to Emmanuel Forbes and not leave him out there on an island so that A.J. Brown can make a double move while the pass rush is not getting to Jalen Hurts and he can just stand back there and wait for that double move to happen and then throw it to a wide-open A.J. Brown. So he's got some work to do. He's a rookie. We all get that, but he's got to get better because now you're getting into the middle of the schedule and now, of course, every win just – is so precious and he's just got to get better, but I think he will. I don't, I, I think he's got the skills to get better. I do. And I think that uh, I'm, I'm going to have to probably eat some crow 
on not his selection, but the the comparison I'm about to make. He does bite really heavily on those double moves. He is looking for the big play. He hasn't had a lot of them yet. There is a certain player in this league that gets lauded for his gambling nature. Yeah. And that's digs from Dallas that I have. I personally have said is overrated, but here I will have to eat a little bit of crow here to give Diggs his flowers and say that Forbes is kind of in that same mindset. Mm -hmm. And it took Diggs a while in this league to really kind of get into winning those gambles. And we'll see Forbes continue to develop there. So. Yep, absolutely. I I I, I like that comparison. I think it's very Yeah, uh, very Diggs is very much a a feast or famine kind of mm-hmm. uh player and you know, he the year that he led in interceptions was also a year that he led in most yards given up and I yeah. think fairly close in touchdowns as well. That's just the kind of uh player he is and uh we'll see if Forbes can develop into that. Now Stoner, I'm not going to have to eat crow for this next one. Oh, In fact, a lot of other people have to. It's too bad Trev isn't here because <laughs> because Trev would be eating a lot of crow. And honestly, quite a few of the our you know regular listeners and viewers here on Ref the District, they don't really like Forbes. Or sorry, not Forbes. They don't like Kendall Fuller rather. Yeah. I have been a staunch defender of Kendall Fuller. You have since. He so was he even traded back. away and he came back. I've yeah. I've really liked Kendall Fuller and talked his high praises. And all that is finally coming to roost here as Kendall Fuller is on the PFF All Pro early this season. Mm-hmm. 165 coverage snaps, and he's only allowed 41 receiving yards on seven catches. That's it. The entire season. That's four games so far. And you compare that to everybody else, and he's right up there. He plays the run well as well. He's a good tackler. Um, he's a veteran voice in the locker room as well. And people are starting to take notice. PFF, like you said, they have him on their all-pro, the PFF all-pro team so far this year as the number one corner. That's a big deal. I, I've been kind of, I don't know what the word is. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't love him and I don't hate him. Yeah, he's a serviceable corner and he's valuable because he is serviceable. It's not, he's not William Jackson and he's not um, uh, uh, Jalen Ramsey. He's somewhere right in between. Who's going to get the job done. He's going to be in position to make plays and he's normally going to make the plays that the defense asks him to make. So pretty good, but William, William Jackson really good so far catching a stray there and getting well, thrown right underneath the bus. But yeah, Kendall Fuller is a lot better than people have been giving him credit for. So I'm glad to see that he's starting to get some of this recognition as being one of the better cornerbacks in this league. They're, yeah. they're at least, you know, 30 or 64 starting cornerbacks. And I guarantee you Kendall Fuller, even if you don't, don't like him is very much a cornerback one in this league. And now he's shown that he's even, you know, in the mid to upper tier of that this year with the way he's playing. In fact, PFF ranking him in their all pro status early this season. So great, great things and great starting there. Of course, I can hear the arguments coming from, of course, people are picking on Forbes and not going to him. But that's that's what a shutdown corner does. That's right. They don't get targeted. Uh, What they do, however, is bring people to their seats 
with their play. And that is exactly what's going to happen here for the third game in a row. It is sold out at the next field, not, not sold out with covers being put over like half the seats Hmm. either, but legit sold out for the Chicago bears on Thursday night football. It is not officially a blackout game, but they are wearing black for the commander. So I'll be sporting the black here. How big is it though? That Washington three sold out stadiums, home stadiums in a row for them. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. They're doing something's going on. Something's doing right. They're doing right in the front office. Fans are responding that they appreciate what's going on and they want to get out there. And this is now an event again. And if the team continues to win, it's just going to get better and better and better. And they need to win against Chicago. They have to win against Chicago. I think they're going to win the next three. I believe they're going to be five and two going back against Philly again. I think Philly is game eight. I can never remember. Yes, no, it, it is. Seattle, so it, it, it's it's Bears, Atlanta, um, Atlanta Giants, Philadelphia. Philly. Okay, so yeah. I, I think that Philadelphia rematch is going to come out very, very quickly. Yeah, yeah. And 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 the place is going to – and that's back here at FedEx, five and two in week eight against Philly. Philly probably at that time will be – six and one and it's just gonna be a just a a wild out just crazy day at fedex but yeah washington's gonna win thursday i'm very confident in that and then i think they'll win the next two they'll be five and two well we'll talk all about how they are going to win the game in our bears preview that will come out tomorrow be on the lookout for that of course we'll be live on wednesday night as well And then we'll be live here on Thursday for play-by-play in commentary. Busy, busy week. Day after reckoning on Friday to boot. So make sure you check all that out. Make sure you like this video if you're watching it here on YouTube. Make sure that you're subbed up and auto-downloaded if you're listening to this on your audio platforms. I'm Nathan Berry. That's The Stoner. And until next time. Give Kendall Fuller his flowers. That means you. Be a fan. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.